oh, sorry. Um, I'll, and I, on that note, I'm going to have a little sip here. Sorry. <laughs> He's going to have to edit that bit out anyway. Um, What's up, guys? Alex from Anna Creates here. Welcome back to the Anna Creates podcast. And today I have a very special episode. I thought I would bring back another podcast favorite, Jay Real. So a favorite, yeah, really. Yeah, your your episode was like got a lot of oh, listens. It was great, excellent, excellent. So Jay's back on the podcast uh, this week with me today. Welcome back to the podcast, Jay. Thanks for having me. And we're gonna do another kind of thing like what I did with Malcolm before, and we're gonna do more of these. I think Jay, I'm roping Jay into this already. He doesn't know about it, but um, <laughs> what we're gonna I'm game. Do, <laughs> he's, he's down. Um, we're gonna do a little bit more of these kind of co-hosted episodes where. We just kind of chat about stuff. It's less of an interview style and more of a discussion. So, I like these. These are fun, these are actually. Good. Yeah, these exactly. The, today, I thought it would be a, an interesting um, topic to talk about, which is I've gotten a few questions about this on the, on some of my videos, on the podcast, through various means that people can ask me questions. And something that I think is very important, and I had to go through, and I know you had to go through, and basically everybody else had to go through, and everybody has their own unique story about this, which is breaking into the industry, getting into the industry, and how, how you make connections, how you prove your yourself and your work that you mm. do, and, and all that kind of stuff, and how you actually like kind of get involved in something. So the reason I thought this would, was interesting and would be a great discussion with you is we both had to do this, but things have changed <laughs> since that happened. And I've been doing this a little longer than you. Yeah. Have yeah. That's but, why. but yet you were part of my coming into the industry mm -hmm. as well. You were one of my first mentors and how, when I was trying to like make my connections and, and get, you know, some work under my belt right. and all that kind of the, the things you got to do, which we'll, we'll talk about, but yeah. you were involved in that and giving me a chance to do that as well as, you know, helping me along through that journey. Uh, right. And, you know, it's interesting because to me, the way that I see it, the, the journey of trying to get into the industry and the, the personal relationships are kind of the most important thing and have are almost more important than they've ever been because technology is so vast now mm -hmm. when you were starting it was a lot more of well the only way in is go to a studio because they're the only ones that can afford yeah recording equipment everyone had to be in the same room <laughs> right that was it and and you know not everybody could afford a tape machine to record stuff mm -hmm. uh professionally yeah. nowadays you can buy a macbook air with GarageBand coming, that's already preloaded, yeah. and you're off to the races. You technically can make good sounding music with just that. I mean, Absolutely. depending on, on what you're doing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, you can do it with a phone, with an iPad. Yeah, I know. It's like crazy, isn't it? Right? <laughs> it's really. It has. It has changed a lot. Right. It really has. Yeah. But the but to me, what has not changed is that the personal relationships and the different steps to actually get recognition and prove yourself and, and work your way up with, you know, internships and whatever the yeah. way, whatever you're trying to get networking, to, networking, that kind of stuff yeah. is still just as important as it ever was, frankly. Um, it's actually the most important, I think the most important thing. Totally. 
it's more important than than the gear. It's more important than the technology, really. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the if you don't have the contacts that are can lead you somewhere or um, help you, and not that they all always have to help you. It's not about that. But if you if you don't have the network in place, you got nothing. Like you got mm-hmm. no work. You nobody knows about you. Nobody cares about yeah. you. And, Until and, you're in their eyes or face, right? Right, and and so you know yourself as a as a musician, as a producer, as an engineer, as you kind of came up in the industry in all three mm-hmm. and more of these avenues. Frankly, yeah. um, you know, people always say it's who you know, and and the people you know, that's how you get anywhere. Can you speak a little bit to that? What does that actually mean? Like what networking? Who you know? What does that it's mean? It's true because when you're coming, when you're getting, when you're getting started, you don't really understand. It's like, well, I have friends. Yeah. Well, okay, but you need to, like, what does that actually mean? What's the point? What's exactly? You know, what is this all about? Well, there's different avenues of that too. I mean, there are now again, depending on what you're discussing, whether mm-hmm. it's the musicianship or whether it's the production or whether it's the engineering. Of course, each of those, I think, networks give you different things. Mm-hmm. For example, when I when I first started, okay, I started playing with my brother's band. I was 15, couldn't right. even drive at the time. And started playing professionally for on weekends and making money at it. And then I to be honest with you, I think they were just waiting until I was 16 so that I could drive all them around <laughs> because I couldn't drink. Right. But then they could. Oh, that's, Jay, Jay, oh, that's why he made me do that. <laughs> See? Came See? down the pipe. <laughs> it passed down to you. So there's there's the first and most important <laughs> lesson. Yeah. Uh, so what happened was, is I, you know, started in the clubs and we started playing. We were doing gigs and we were doing all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and then my brother unannounced to me. Now, and this was right at the very beginning of my career. So this was just clubs. I wasn't doing theaters or big shows. It was, you know, nine to one. And then you'd Mm. go to the next club, nine to one and all that sort of stuff. Um, My brother unannounced to me had called a gentleman by the name of Terry Sumption. Now he's no longer with us uh, anymore, but um, he was a country artist uh, in the country genre that um, he had some hits on the radio um, and he was doing well. He was well known and, and well liked and beautiful man. I learned, actually, I learned a lot from him, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so, what happened, I found in my career, was after my brother made this phone call and he didn't tell me about it, but my brother thought Jay should be doing other bands than this one which I didn't know he did this, which thanks, Trevor, by the way. Um, but he called Terry. And I knew of Terry because he was a big right. name around the area. Right. And we were playing at Dominion House. It was Dominion House in Stratford. Okay, yep. And it was the Saturday night. I think it was the Saturday night. And he didn't tell me, but he invited Terry to come and see me play. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I remember we were playing the gig, playing the gig, and all of a sudden I looked over and I went, oh my God, Terry Sumption just walked into the building. Wow, okay. And I was not like I was nervous, but it was a different energy right. because there's a, a, a star yeah. came in to see the band play. So all of a sudden you're kind of putting on a little bit more of a show and, you know, <laughs> right. it's like, 
oh my god it's terry hey how you doing <laughs> try the steak i'm here all week right yeah and and anyway at the end of the night of course on the break i went over and talked to him and introduced myself my brother did too we all went over and the band did you know hi terry you know we love your music right. and you know anyway at the end of the night uh terry called me over and uh he said hey um i need a drummer would you be be interested in being my drummer Yes, I would be. But I felt bad, too, in the same sense, because I didn't want to, uh, you know, leave right. my brother or any of those folks uh, behind. But but what happened, now this is what we're getting back to your initial point of networking. Yeah. What I found happened to me when I was 19, it was 19 when this happened. Right. And so I, I said, yes. And my brother told me after. Okay. I called him, and you should you should explore this. Right. And, you know, we'll find somebody else. Don't worry about us. We're, we're just doing it for fun and right. for the weekend anyway. But you're not. So take the opportunity. So I did. And what I found was all of a sudden now I was working with a whole other group of musicians that were on another rung of the ladder than me. Right. Like these are guys that are A players and like Doug Johnson and Kenny Post. I mean... CCA or CMA, CCMA, the Canadian, <laughs> not the country ones in the States. Right. Oh, I hit the mic. I'm sorry. Cut. <laughs> so like Doug Johnson, those kind of people uh, that were, again, very accomplished players. Right. And once I started, and of course, and Terry had a tour, tour bus. So this was a whole new thing for me you know right. we'd leave for a week and sleep in a bunk and it, like that was exciting and fun I was 19 it's like oh my god I'm on a tour bus woo I rock right yeah and what happened was once I got in with that band and really got to know the guys really well this is where that networking starts because now when a lot of times you get referrals from other players it's like mm. oh um, so all of a sudden Doug Johnson would, would get a phone call from another artist whoever another artist yeah that was you know in the industry doing things and they need a drummer and of course they'd call doug and doug's on the gig as well doug johnson and the steel player mm -hmm. and of course they'd say well we need a drummer and then doug would say hey call jay right because jay sings he sings high harmonies and he plays good his pocket's good and whatnot but i only got that referral because i was now a friend of oh. doug johnson right so that opened up a whole door of being able to have access to greater players than me. Mm. So you almost get accepted into this click. I hate, I, that's a strong word. I don't mean it's clicky, but for lack yeah. of a better word, yeah. you become sort of part of that world. Yeah. And then that also then go, and then once you play for that guy then and he's they... talking to somebody else, like, Oh, call Jay. Cause he right. sings high harmony and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and then so that really opened up, that actually opened up my career. My brother, right. Colin Terry, to come and see me, literally started the mess I'm in now. <laughs> <laughs> right. To, to go off of that, another big part of that at the same time is, is you know, obviously, you know, call Jay, he's good. He's got good pocket. He can sing high harmonies. Like he's got other talents besides just drumming right. in that way. But at the same time, they're also referring you because we like hanging with Jay and playing with Jay. So another massive aspect of this is that they enjoyed your company. That's more important. 
Actually, I think it is. it is. I really, and, and that's a big thing for engineering and producing. Cause frankly, this just replace players with other artists and engineers and producers. Yeah. And the same conversation, that exact same, same thing goes exactly for engineering and producing and it's true. Any other piece of this, like the music industry in that way, you maybe are networking with different people yeah. to get to where you want to go. Right. But you know, I'm, I'm not going to try and I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to try, but I'm not going to need to, to, to network with every steel player around no. town to be a better engineer. No. Is it going to help me? Well, it's not going to hurt me. No, the more, <laughs> right? the better, the more, the better. Absolutely. But, but even I've found there, there have been lots of players that, that have worked with bands and they come in and they're, you know, doing whatever. And I happen to be the engineer for whatever reason. And then they come back in and they're like, Hey, we want Alex to engineer. They're a player. They got nothing to do with anything else, but they like working with me because they enjoyed what I did. They liked what the sounds. The hang is way more important. I'll, I'll never yeah. forget a quick story. I was working with a gentleman by the name of Jim Witter, and this was after Terry. Mm. So I, this would have been 93-ish. I was 23. I spent about four years with Terry. So yeah, in that, in that time frame, give right. or take a few months, whatever. And I remember we were in a van, and it was my first cross-Canada tour. And there was five, we had six guys in the van. And we were crossing over from Manitoba into Saskatchewan. And it was three in the morning. And I had been sleeping already. We had bucket seats. So, you know, I already had a, a good three or four hour nap. Mm-hmm. And our tech was driving. And he says, I can't, I'm done. I can't go anymore. And I said, oh, I'm up. I had a good nap. I'll drive. Right. And at that time, the artist that we were working for, Jim Witter, he said, well, I'll run shotgun. I'm kind of awake now. I'll, I'll ride shotgun for you. So we went and got a Tim Hortons a coffee, and then the two of us sat in the front. Everyone else was sleeping. And I'll never forget, he said this to me, and I'll never forget this. Um, he said, Jay, I'd much rather work with a good player with a great attitude mm-hmm. than the world's greatest player who's an a-hole. Yeah. He says it's not worth it. It just, you know, my I don't like this hotel. My pillow's too hard. I don't like McDonald's. And that makes a three month tour feel like three years because you can't totally you can't get away from it, right? Mm-hmm. So he's right. He's so right. It's 100%. much better that because you let's look at it in perspective. You know, we'd spend. 24 hours a day together well other than when you're in your rooms and whatnot and you only spend an hour and a half on stage or two hours doing your show yeah but but you still got another 22 hours of the day you got to be with these people right so you're spending more time with them privately and socially than you are professionally right and that's why it's way more important to have a good hang because again, that one bad apple just makes yep. three months feel like three years, right? So, and and on that same note, when you're an intern and when you're coming up in a studio from an engineering production perspective, same yep. kind of a thing. I always found that the best interns that I would train are the ones that maybe didn't know as much as some other ones, because you can mold them. But I can I can teach them a lot of stuff, but I can't teach them personality. And if right. it's like I'm fighting your personality. Or, you know, you're just trying to be ego driven and like prove yourself to these artists and whatever. I don't want you in the room. But if you've got that part of it on and people like you being around, Mm -hmm. 
they'll forgive the odd little mistake and they'll be, uh, I'm willing to train and spend a little bit more time with you to help you get the technical skills that you need. Right. But if you don't, if I can't hang with you and if I can't, <laughs> if I can't bear being around you to train you, it's you're, never going to work. It's never going to work. Yeah. You know, and nobody's perfect. So there's going to be training. There's going to be other things involved. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not quite that easy, No, it's <laughs> but it, it's so true. Like you have to, you have to be able to, to deal with them socially yeah. above all else. Cause I mean, frankly, you know, when I used to come and hang out at the studio, yeah. I didn't know anything. When well, I yeah, first you were start, you were green I, then. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah, pretty yeah. green, but yet obviously I must've made a good enough impression that it was like, we can train this guy, but he's, he's not like, we're not hating ourselves having him around. So sure. Keep coming back. <laughs> he made really good coffee, I, by that, the way. That's step one. Yeah. <laughs> First thing I remember that was our first lesson. Okay, first thing you got to know in the studio is how to make a good cup of coffee. Yep. I think we actually went through that. Totally. And you know, the funniest thing is, is that is 100% true. Oh, yeah, because another one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it makes a big difference. That was, and and when I first started working at Noble, that was one of the first things I had to do. Yeah, see, it's all part of the It's all part of the thing. And and in those scenarios, it's, you know, if, if I can trust you to get the right coffee for me. Yeah. Then I, I'm willing to trust you with more stuff. Other maybe. things. But if I can't trust you to get my coffee, right. Yeah. How am I supposed to trust you with my clients or with the cables or to that? The mics are going to work. Are you sure it was in phase? Explode the console yeah. by accident. Like, yeah, I can't trust you with anything else. That's a good point. And, and that was the biggest lesson that I used to teach um, interns when they first started working with me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I know. It comes full circle. <laughs> well, they were talking about that earlier, the networking, yeah. and that's funny. Um, and and uh. so so it's it's funny. So I've, early on, when I first started working at Noble Street, one of my first jobs that I was, one of the first sessions that I got to be in the room, and I was like the second assistant, and and mm-hmm. I was uh, was Billy Talent. Yeah, I remember you have to work with some pretty serious cats, man. And that was one of the first ones. It was like two month session or something like long days. And, and they, at first, you know, I got to be there. I was helping out. We did a lot of guitar tones. I was running around plugging amps in and moving guitar, all sorts of stuff. It was awesome. And, uh, and if you're new around here, Billy Town's one of my favorite bands and was growing up. So it was like a huge thing for me to get to work with them. It was amazing. Um, but so through part of this, I was responsible for going to get food and dealing with that when, when needed. Yeah. And, um, I, I forget it was like three weeks in or something. And they kind of were like, Hey, like we want to get some more takeout and whatever. And, but we don't really want to, you know, have just the restaurants around here. We need somebody with a car. And I, at the time was in Toronto. I didn't have a car right. and I'm not getting paid. And I'm like, I, yeah. okay, great. I don't have a car. And they, so they got somebody else and I was like, I was bummed. But one week later they fired that guy. He was out of the studio completely gone. And they called me back in and said, is there any way you can get a car? We'll deal with it if, if you can't, but is there any way? And I managed to get my back. mom's car to, to, for a couple of weeks to finish the session out. Um, and I don't even think I had it for the whole time, but I managed to get it for like two of the three weeks or something. Right. And, and they're like, perfect we'll take it we want you like and and that was huge they wanted me back they wanted to, because they liked everything else that i did that you this were a guy good hang do. i was a good hang. and 
when I wasn't when I wasn't running and getting food, I was beside I was there whenever their water would look empty. I was refilling it whenever they needed anything. Like they didn't have to think about their coffees. It was just automatically refilled and correct. I have to every say time. like I stuff have, like that. I have to say with you, sorry I interrupted you. I'm no, so no, sorry, no, yeah. but I have to say that uh, to add to what you just said is that you're you are a keener and you see those things and you you go further by doing that mm-hmm. than most interns would. They'd sit and wait till somebody says, I need water. Yeah. Where you you didn't wait for people to say that, nope. but that's why they wanted you back there. Yeah. And it and the thing is is it only takes to me, it only takes one or two sessions like that that people notice or one or two people to notice that mm-hmm. and go because frankly you're trying to be as invisible as possible. Yeah. And so sometimes they don't notice and then it only it only takes one or two and then word spreads. And things it's like, get Alex, he's he's good. See, they and noticed then, they noticed you because when you weren't there, they realized like, oh, that well, I'm getting my own water. What wait where's hold on Alex? A second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And exactly. And even as I moved up the ranks and I was engineering it, I would still, as much as possible, those things, if it's like their coffee's empty, I'll get them a coffee while I get my own. Or I'm gonna yeah. And I was engineering. I didn't have to do that. I could tell my intern to do it. Or if my intern or assistant wasn't mm-hmm. doing then I would tell them, hey, get them go grab some go grab some more coffee, round go grab drink, drink, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Like I if they didn't pay attention, I would still pay attention to that, even if I was, you know, that was not my responsibility at yeah, all. Yeah. But it was so ingrained in me because that's what got me where I was going that extra little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's a million different things when, when engineering, you know, labeling stuff, right. And whatever that people are like, man, it's just so easy to find your emails and people don't realize that until they then work with somebody else. And they go, I never know what version of the mix I'm listening to. Right. Cause you oh, made sure man. you labeled it properly. And Every, so you go the thing. extra, that's the thing you, that's what I was saying about you being a keener is that you always went the extra mile just to mm. make sure there was, you know, it's like somebody working at a construction site, same thing. It's like, you're looking around it's like, well, we could probably clean those pylons up <laughs> yeah. or wait for someone else to do it. Yeah. But it's the keener that goes and gets them and the boss notices that stuff. Totally. And that again, going back to what it, I was complimenting you on before is that that's why they wanted Alex back yeah. for their session yep. because they, they felt comfortable with you. You're a good hang. You mm-hmm. made sure their drinks were ready. You were just on top of it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and not that people not being on top of it's bad. I mean, it just means that the people that are a little bit more on top of it, get ahead, rise, rise to the up, top. Yeah. yeah. It's that simple. And, and so going along with, with it, it feeds into the next thing, which is, um, the music industry <laughs> is a very small industry. <laughs> so it's getting smaller all the time. Despite it being bigger than ever, because more and more people can make music now. Yeah. It's getting smaller than ever. Oh. Because if you make one mistake or or do one, one great thing, everybody seems to know about it. You know? Yeah, exactly. And oh yeah. I, I knew that. Like I um when I first started working at Noble, I I was like the the main guy for an engineer named Lenny mm-hmm. and I've soon became Lenny's guy and like anytime Lenny was in the studio I was his assistant 100% right. and then when he didn't want to engineer or was wasn't around he would I'd engineer instead of him and like all this kind of stuff he he helped me a lot right like you know massively massively thankful for Lenny like insane yeah. but he was the he trained so many guys like Randy Staub used to be his assistant and he trained right. Randy Staub and like guys like that, like big cats. Yeah. And 
so many people when I, as I was Lenny's guy and they would come in and other people would come in. Lenny wasn't even around the set, whatever. And they'd kind of ask, you know, what have you been doing? Like, what's going on? And I, you know, talked, I mentioned something about Lenny and they'd be like, oh, Lenny, you're Lenny's guy. And instantly it was like pure trust. If Lenny trusts you. I trust you. There you go. And some of them would come in and go, hey, you're Alex. You're Lenny's guy. And I'd be like, (laughs) yes, I am. What? Okay. They're like, yeah, I talked to Lenny like four months ago. I'm like, cool. And you still remember that. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but that's what you want, though. That's back to the initial point. Yeah. The networking. If you that's the other thing. Once you do land an opportunity, uh, again, you have to do everything you can to make sure you are a professional. Yeah. And that's the difference. Again, like somebody that shows up and know, for example, a gig, mm-hmm. you hire somebody came recommended by somebody. And when this person shows up and they don't have the metronome market, like say as a drummer, yeah. it could yeah. be anything, but a drummer, for example, and never really charted the show or never really took the time to just like dial in, like just even get the tempos for all the songs yeah. and write them down. Like I used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, can you send me a set list? Oh, yeah, and they would. And then I'd go find the songs and I'd, I'd map out the, okay, this one's in the 92 beats and it starts on a one, two, three, four, one, two, uh, two pickup note. Yep. I would write, I would make charts right. for each of the songs because I wanted to not look like an idiot. Right. I wanted to show up and be professional. Yeah. But it's those little things, again, that, help get you could, rise to could the top you have of the gotten cream. away with not doing that probably probably but does it look more professional and you show up and go i've got it and they're like holy crap this guy's on it it's like lenny's guy totally and the 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 thing is, is if you showed up and you didn't do that and you botched something not only is that person not going to want to hire you again that's going to go back to the person who recommended you and now they're not going to want to hire exactly. you and they're not going to recommend you to anybody else. And the so band you were just playing with aren't going to do it either. The, the other five guys in that band plus the guy who you recommended who recommended you, yeah. his band probably not either. Exactly. Anybody he talks to is going to go, yeah, I don't know, how, don't hire that guy. He showed up completely drunk and didn't know yeah, any he of the didn't, parts. Yeah, he didn't slow or he played or he didn't have his markings, he didn't know the intros or yeah. whatever. And and it's those like like we said the industry is so small it goes back and you know six degrees of separation you have (laughs) and this applies to anything in life not just necessarily what we're talking about yeah but this is very key is you have one chance at a first impression Mm -hmm. and if you blow it then again, yep. it's just going to go back to the guy who recommended you. And then they're not, yeah. oh, I, I, maybe I shouldn't have recommended Jay. I'm sorry. I, I won't do that again. Yeah. And then you're done. It's you're- every part of this career, every part of your career is, you know, the one thing about the music industry, I have to say, it's not like any other business where, or job, like, yeah. f- you know, when you're an accountant, you go and you, you know, it, you know exactly what you got to do. You do it and you're done. Our careers deal with the arts Mm -hmm. so not only do you have to have the arts and the creative part and the and the knowledge and the and the gift of sitting in with the band or just knowing what to play or what not to play all of those things but you also need to know what we started talking about was how do you how do you get yourself in front? How do you market yourself mm-hmm. in front of other people to be able to allow you to support your creative endeavors? Totally. And that's the other part of the industry that most people don't know. Mm-hmm. You spend 
and teachers don't teach you this. Like, mm. there's not a guitar teacher in the world that will teach you how to get on, how to get into it with a band. Yeah, they'll teach you how to play your instrument, but they don't. But that, the that, whole, never, that is so intertwined, but yet that is not part of the same lesson. Ever. No, right? Yeah, and and so that's the stuff you don't learn. So like you spend again, you spend eight the first eight ten years of your life sitting on the end of your bed by your alone with your guitar or your drums or whatever mm. and you're intimately spending time learning the craft and learning the instrument and loving it and trying to figure it out and that's only 49 percent of the gig yeah because the other 51 percent is how do you get on stage how do you find a band how do you book a gig? How do you get a gig? How, How you're going to need yourself. <laughs> you're going to need a website. You're going to yeah. need photos. You're going to need. So it's not only the 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 creative artsy part, but you have to also understand the business. And this is one the business and the people. Yeah, which are frankly and again, one and the same. In unlike any other job, this one is unique. Where, uh, well. No, I can also relate that to farmers in the sense that not only do you have to know how to work the land and, and grow crops mm. and know how to do that, but you also got to study the stock market. When do you sell it? Right. Um, yeah. you, yeah. you know, so there's the business side as well as the agricultural side. Yeah. Much like the arts. There's, totally. There's the marketing of your art and then there's the actual creation of your art, which but are two. I, but I would say there's a little bit more of a... in in farming and in basically anything else that yeah. I can think of, there's a little bit more of, I don't want to call it scientific, but there's a bit more numbers involved. Yeah. Whereas the creative arts, it's not, it's you guesswork. can't quantify it. It's so much guesswork and kind of figuring out what worked and what didn't work. <laughs> I hope they like this new song. Yeah. And if they don't, it's like, well, I hope they like my next one. Well, you know? but like you, you put out a song, it's great. And you go, okay, I'm going to write one similar to that. Well, you put it out and people go, well, it's too much like the last one. So then you do something different and like, well, this is too different. <laughs> okay, well, you can't win. How, I can't, you can't, right? Yeah. So it's like, you can't, I, I can't teach you that. I can't say, write a song like the last one. Cause then of course that might flop or they might be great. We wanted another one exactly like that. You don't know. I don't know. know what your fans maybe want. That's the like, thing. That's the difference. So. You're right. We're like, we're at least like with a farmer, the stock market's like either $4 a bushel or it's $6 a bushel. And his, history in the last two years has told Predicts me that now that is the now time is I should time. sell it. Yeah. yeah. But the arts aren't like that. No. It's like you, you spend, again, you spend your whole life zoning and, and honing your craft. And, and yeah. And it's a crapshoot. Like either people like it or they don't. Or, but then the next song or the next band or the next project that you're in, a different group of people like that, but don't like the other one. Yep. And you can't, it's a, it's a harder it's game. Totally. It is definitely. And part of it, I think that, that also uh, is very true that you hear is you're only as good as your last gig. Yes. I've heard that. Which is also like, That's you true. can work so hard. You can make, it kind of goes back to the same thing. If you, if somebody recommended you, and you've done great. You've been, you know, five, ten years of doing great, showing up and blah, 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 blah. And, well, maybe if you had ten years, you'd be a little bit easier. But if you're relatively new, five years, whatever, and you show up and you are completely drunk and you don't know any of the songs and you butch, like, just the whole show is terrible. You're done. You're done. It's over. That's going to take a lot. You're, you're back to the bottom. It's very easy to fall oh, back yeah. down the ladder. Sell and everything and, and move to Florida at that point. You're done. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out, get in a different market, get yeah. it, whatever it is, you know, and I've seen that so much yeah. and it's, you know, you can craft your, you could be the best player. You could have done, 
years of great gigs and doing wonderful things going and yet it can be destroyed just like, like that, that by one stupid move one stupid mistake and, yeah and, it's it's very cutthroat this business that way too yeah. it's very cutthroat yeah you know I, I i remember that uh like it was drilled into me a lot because um you know you have gigs you have you have jobs when i'm engineering for somebody that i've engineered for a million times and you can be a little more friendly there's still certain lines that i'm like i'm not crossing that yeah. We're in the session. I'd never drank on sessions. Yeah. I never had a beer, nothing. And there would be clients that would like, come on, man, just we're hanging out. Have one beer. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And like, sometimes they'd put it on the, like, <laughs> on, put it right in front of, right in front like, of me. And I'm like, nope. cool. And I would just kind of move it to the side and I wouldn't touch it. And I'd be like, fine, th thank you. But it would sit there. And I never yeah. would drink it. And I just, that was a, that was something to me. Yeah. There's a lot of people that that's not the case, whatever. I, yeah. I'm not, you do Either, you, but yeah. To me, that was a line that I said, no, that's not, not what I it. do. And those are the things that in my sessions, that's, you know, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and I did lots of things. Too. Yeah. So, I stop it. It just, you know, because it can go away so fast. Well, yeah. Well, you know, here's the difference. If, if you were under the influence and deleted something you shouldn't have. Yeah. That's bad. Now, if you deleted something still, and but you weren't under the influence, it's a different outcome. Yeah. People are like, think about it differently. Same thing you happened, think about it differently. but the setup as to how it happened has changed. 100%. And then, then the trust, you getting back to that, you know, hey, we trust you, right? Yeah. It, you lose a bit of that. And trust and respect are two things that are really hard to get back once you lose them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're it's, worth more than money to me, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. If you have trust in, I find if you have trust and respect in place with yourself and the planet around you, you'll you'll always have a meal on the table. You'll always have a place to stay because they trust and respect you and they know yeah. that you're they're, you're not going to disrespect them or, you know, but, but it went, but once you do lose trust or respect from somebody, it's pretty hard to get back to and it's that slow. spot. Oh, it takes forever. It takes it takes twice as long the second time. <laughs> yeah, to get so to get so back. best point is better. Just don't don't be under the influence, and then yeah, yeah. No, There's I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Like you know, if I'm writing or doing something on my own time or whatever, sure, I'm, that's, that's different. Di oh, it's different. Totally. It's my time. But if I'm being paid to be on a session or paid to do somebody's work, I don't. Yeah, I I'd, stay away from it. Exactly for that same reason, because I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I deleted something after having a few beers and it was like, Oh, Oh, it's going too fast. I'm I, dumb. Yeah. Then it's my fault. Yeah. Right. And so another thing to me that I always thought it portrayed is you're relaxed. If you're having a beer, you're relaxed. You're, yeah. you're casual. So as soon as you screw up, it's because you're too relaxed. Might not be the, be that you're drinking, whatever, yeah. but you're, you're too relaxed and feel comfy. And then the, and then mistake. mistakes happen. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, no. Let's... And we're going to call the band back. Are they gone yet? Yeah. Yeah. We need to recut that last yep. song because I, yeah. I, I just sound bad. Yeah. And but, so one other thing that um, that made me think of is, you know, going above and beyond, but, but also uh, having solutions when things go wrong. One of the right. biggest things is if somebody and this was for interns that I had for assistants that I had for myself, I'd never, unless it was the 
absolutely only thing where it was like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I am completely, I need some help here. But I would go to a client if something was wrong or something happened or whatever needs to change. I would go to them and give them options. One or two options. Oh, you come up with a solution. Something. It mm-hmm. might not be the ideal. That's not the point. They might have a totally better idea and like go, well, okay, well, we just pay the musicians and they come back. That's not the option that I'm going to give them. Yeah. Um, but like I had a, uh, something happened once and the clocking was wrong and we recorded this whole thing, this whole session, the clock was off. So the session was okay because it was unclocked. Okay. Yeah. As soon as we put a clock back on it, which is the default state of the Pro Tools system and whatever, yeah. the whole session was out of time. Aye, and aye. it was like, how do we do, how do we get this? And as soon as we printed the actual thing to listen somewhere else out of time, even when the session was in time and we're like, so how do we get wow. this out of here in time? In time, I spent all night trying to figure out a way. And so it was like, basically we have to mix it in here and print it or if you want every single track, we had a, a little task cam recorder, like an outboard recorder. Oh. And I had to sit there and I did this all night. It'd be unbeknownst to them at the time. Yeah. And I sat there and like soloed the kick drum and then recorded it through this thing and then had to bring it back in and line them all up. Ah, uh, <laughs> because it was like, get them out and then I, because they would play back at the right time. But <clears throat> that, so I could listen to them. Right. Yeah. But as soon as I in pro tools, if I did anything to make it right, yeah. I couldn't get it out of Pro Tools <laughs> besides literally listening to it and recording it somewhere else. Right. Oh, man. Oh, but like, boy. I didn't go to them and go, listen, the whole session's out of time. And that's the end of the conversation. I was you like, fixed it. The session was out of time. These are the options I have. And this is what I did. What How you would you like to proceed from here? Like, here's the things. They're just, you know, it's a little bit maybe grainier or whatever. Yeah. But these are the options. But it's in time. But it's in time and we have it all, you know, I did whatever the overheads were, were, you know, one of them wasn't recorded, but we can make it, I have it mono and I have all the other mics. I think it's going to be fine if we mix it. Proper. It should be okay. Yeah. Like, instead of just going, the one overhead didn't record. Yeah, so. So, yeah. The, 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 the client's going to be like, why are you telling me that? What? Yeah. What am I They're just going to freak out and you go, it's going to be fine because we can still mix it with one. Yeah. Anything like that, like small things like that. And I've seen a lot of engineers. The reason I even bring this up, because to me it's like common knowledge, but I've seen so many people do that where they just kind of, you know, I'm I'm using the overhead (laughs) thing over and over, but the one overhead didn't, didn't record. And that's, that's the end of their statement. And you're like, cool. What are you going to do about it? You screwed up. What's your solution to this? Yeah. Give me something. Well, you know what? It's the same thing. It's the same thing as like, um, you know, these CEO board meetings, you mm. know? Um, you know, some, okay, we had a problem with this. Sales are down 30% in this sector because blah, 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 blah. Um, and then if you can't just somebody go, well, we can't do that. You have to, <laughs> yeah. you have to, the point is, is that, you know, well, we could try this, we could try this. And then somebody goes, well, well you can't do that. It's like, no, you yeah. you have to, you can't just say you can't do that without offering another, another solution, solution to figure it out. That's called business. Yep. So similar to the same thing. It's 100%. like, you know, I, yes, we did lose one, the microphone died, the phantom wasn't on, yep. whatever, the yep. cable died, doesn't matter. 
But here's what we can do to fix that. Yeah. You know, we can try a mono thing or we can do take this, some yeah. of the splashes from the other mics and see if we can't manipulate them to give them a more punch. Yeah. Whatever, you know. Um, but it's, it's, that's again, again, the people that find, and it really an engineer is a solution. You're 100%. a, you're a problem oh. solver. And, and as I got an a ground hub. Okay. Try the ground switch. No, it's still humming. Okay, let's take an alligator clip and put it on your bridge and put the other piece on your skin. Yeah. Oh, that got so now you're always grounded. Yeah. But just things like that. You like, know, figure it out. Frankly, I think that a a podcast about literally troubleshooting could be a whole podcast on oh, its own. Boy, that's a that's a how to troubleshoot because I I was very, very, very good at that. Yeah. Um and it's yeah, the that's dimmer. A, Watch that buzz. Hold on, let me move the light. <laughs> it's the lights just shut them off oh yeah that's clear yeah ta-da i had one guy uh playing bass this is at the swamp and he, i forget well he, he had a ground hum and i couldn't it whatever same thing we tried the ground switch on the thing wouldn't work wouldn't work wouldn't work so i had him do just i thought well this can't hurt anything we'll try it yeah so i had him take his sock off and had him put his foot on top of the di <laughs> yeah and just keep your foot on the di Went away. Yeah. yeah. Some of the, some of it's the weird yeah. solutions, but yeah, I think I, yeah, totally. And that's when I was an assistant too. Same thing. I, if anybody ever asked me for something, I would say yes. And then I'd go away and I would f- either figure out how to do it or be like, Ooh, we can't do, we don't have that cable or we don't have that splitter. Or we don't have that whatever and go, okay, how can I, so do how this? can I do something like this or similar that I think is similar at least Yeah, and give them an option? Uh, yeah. and then go back to them and go, Hey, so we don't have that splitter cable, but I do have a DI that I can split with this and do that. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes exactly. it's very convoluted and they're like <laughs> half the time they're like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Just make it happen. Sure. Like, great, fine. And you know, but you don't just go, sorry, can't do that. Yeah. But that's the thing that again, back to what I was saying, you being a keener is that you would actually put thought into it and mm-hmm. like even figuring out how to, you know, you helped me with putting my two, uh, interfaces th- that would work yeah. at the same time. And it was all due to the integrated device. The aggregate device. Aggregate. Yeah. Integrated. Aggregate. Not, yeah. a, not integrated. <laughs> delete. Aggregate. Yeah. Uh, and But you were doing it with two microphones, which mm-hmm. is the same... Kind of thing. They're same two, thing. They're two, both, mi- two USB microphones are basically two interfaces. Are interfaces, right? And, and that's when I... So I lost... Well, for the folks at home, you know the story, but I lost... Uh, a half of my eight rack for my personas. So I was down to eight channels instead of 16. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to record a overhead mono for a bit. And Oh, I got to fix this. I got to fix this. And then I was like, well, I don't really want to invest three or $400 in 20 year old technology either. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. But the new ones were like, you know, 1800 bucks, 2200. It's like, well, I don't really want to go that much either because I'm just, just me doing my little drum right. bit. So, and I remembered your podcast, but you already figured it out. Yeah. So back to the keener part, it's like, there's got to be a way to do this. And you figured it out. And then. And at 11 o'clock at night, you called me up and were like, Alex, this is my problem. What the hell do I do? I think you figured this out before. <laughs> I think <laughs> you like, did this. You yes, put it, Jay. Okay, yeah. hold on. Let's let's work. We got this. And it works. <laughs> and it works. And it works. But yeah. but but the fact is, you know, back to the point where you let's sit down and figure this out. There's got to yeah. be a way. Okay, no, that doesn't work. Let's try this. No, no, this. Oh, I saw a movement. There's meter now. Yep. Can't hear it, but I can see it. 
let's try this, try and and yeah. through the process of elimination, you you find a resolve. Yeah, but that's the engineer's gig. Yeah. Tough, like even when it's up. like, you know, back in the old tape days or something, you know, they had to do the Zenith and the Azimuth and, and calibrate the machines. And then again, there's a ground hum or, or well, the console, this channel's dead. So yeah. hold on, everyone, take a break. And then you unscrew and you pull the thing up and you're soldering uh, diodes and stuff and put about, OK, yeah, we're good. Let's go. But yeah, back to the, the problem solving is that that's part of your gig as an engineer. Mm hmm is to figure it out and and just get a good signal, get a good tone, get a good line, just do it. Yeah. Do you have to use a compressor? I don't know. That's part of your gig to just figure out how to make the tone there they want for yeah. that genre. And and the the way that this <laughs> this tangent kind of lines up is is the unfortunate reality that a lot of people that's the job description, but yet that's not what they seem to naturally do and so when you're dealing with other people yeah that's not even going above and beyond i mean you can go above and beyond with that and yeah. you know network with more people and people like you and refer you and yeah but if you don't do that basic thing which is the job of the engineer mm -hmm. <laughs> you know in that in that scenario kind of like it's the job of the drummer to know where the downbeat is yeah then you're not even doing your job, which means you're not going to get networked with people. You're not going to get more gigs. You no. have to prove that you know what you're doing and actually do bare minimum your job. Yes. And frankly, if you at this in this day and age with the amount of people that are doing this, bare minimum is not even going to cut it. No. Job description, not going to cut it anymore. No. You need to be above and beyond to, to be able to network to a certain degree in some way, yeah. shape or form. You don't have to be above and beyond in everything. There's so many different things, but you pick your thing that you do and you, or your few things that you do for people that you, that people become to know. Like for me, it was always the, the coffees and the waters and like those little things, things make a big difference, make a big difference. Yeah. And you got to find those things that you know, help the client, not just show that you know how to edit faster. Absolutely. You know, I found while running the swamp studio where you started at, yep. um, a studio is more about the personality. 100%. To me, it's not necessarily, oh, well, they don't have a Neumann microphone or they're not using the latest Pro Tools or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. If you got good people, yep. again, back to this good people with a great attitude. Yeah. People come back because of the personality of the people running the studio. They don't necessarily come back because of the gear you have or don't have. Some people do. Some yeah. people are like, well, I have to go there because they got a two-inch machine. I want to go tape. Or, and that's in those fine. Scenari certain scenarios, absolutely. Yeah. But we for the most part. a big drum part, room. Well, we're not going to go to Joey's basement studio. We don't, yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's the thing, you know. It's all part of that grand Well, because picture, you know what? You know what? What it all comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> this would be good. <laughs> is it's all about you're right. The 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 rooms and the studios, it really comes back to the the personality that's there and the people you're working with. And you you pick engineers that maybe aren't maybe aren't the best engineers, maybe aren't what but you like working with them. Yeah. And the rooms, you like working in the room, you feel yeah. comfortable. Why? Because you're comfortable to create. And when you create, you create better. You play better. You're more comfortable. You allow yourself to get that emotion out as a player, especially exactly. in a band. And what it all comes down to is the performance is key. And if you are uncomfortable in a place with Neumanns and Neves and 
if you're uncomfortable and you're singing like it's gonna I sound can, uncomfortable. It's going to sound uncomfortable, which yeah. means the song is going to be terrible. Even if it's recorded, the absolute po- best possible recording yeah. known to man, if you as a singer, for instance, are uncomfortable, it's going to be a gonna crappy song. Yeah. I, but if I, you are that. in a in a your buddy's basement studio and you're having a good time and you go in and you sing your it's, ah, I'm just going to go and have a, yeah, I'll just do one more take. Ah, this is good. I'm having fun. And yeah. you sing amazingly. Yeah. Oh, that song, I bet you is going to, that's going to go up the charts way, way faster. Way better. You know? Oh yeah. No vibe and feel is, is everything. hundred percent. For well, sure. But how many times, I mean, I'm sure you've had this too. How many times have you used the demo vocal from a writing session? Because it's like, oh, we can't top this. It's It's perfect. wicked. Oh yeah. No, many like, times, many times. You know? The amount of demo stuff that ends, I was laughing actually with with Malcolm yeah. about this the other day, and it was like, "There's no such thing as a demo. Try and record everything as as best as you can in yeah. whatever situation you're in." Yeah, because there's no such thing as a demo. No, because it's it might be on the record. There's a good chance if it's good. It there's a why story um, of Janis Joplin where uh, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Mm. Apparently that was the demo right and the band what happened if i'm now i'm sure someone's gonna fact check <laughs> this and i'm pretty sure i got most of these facts correct but whatever the story we'll i remember yeah um is uh, that she had passed and they needed one or two more songs for the actual record and she had her demo of her singing lord won't you buy me right. mercedes benz and apparently the band wanted to finish the record because to pay homage to Janice. Right. And um, and the story is, from what I remember, is that they had to take that the demo piece and they lined it up and they cut and stretched pieces a bit because she didn't wouldn't sing it with the band, so they had to manipulate right. the performance a bit to land with the band. Right. But apparently they cut a track to her demo cassette mm-hmm. vocal and that's the version you hear on the radio yeah and people love it and people love it and you know there there's another tick for the editing is good when it just tweaks the just a little bit vibe. and it was on two inch <laughs> there it was all on yes, tape too right. so it wasn't like you could go move it's Four like clicks, yeah we need two seconds a leader yeah, cut put it in there. paste pull <laughs> cut yeah, that's better. Two yeah. seconds. That's fourteen inches and five millimeters and. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. As you can tell, this isn't really a typical ending to the conversation as you would expect here on the podcast because this conversation went on for quite a while longer and I decided to split it up into two parts. We were just having such a great time and a lot of amazing information. So this is part one. This is the conclusion of part one with my conversation with Jay, which was unintended when we when we recorded it. But upon editing, I decided to kind of split this up into two parts. So tune back in next week 
week for part two of this conversation with Jay. If you really enjoyed this first part, I know you'll enjoy the kind of conclusion to this conversation. We go off on a little bit of a tangent and then we come back and wrap it all up with some great, great information, especially, you know, the, the, the start of the next conversation of the next part, uh, I've asked Jay for some advice and I give a really good story about when I first got started into how to get started networking and where to start networking and how to make a good impression when you're, when you're getting, uh, new connections with people. So we go into that and then some other great stuff about learning. Uh, so be sure to come back and check that out next week. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss any future episodes. And I will see you in the next one with part two of my conversation with Jay Real. Until then, always be creating. Thank you.